Legend Smith Productions presents Audio Drama Showcase. I'm Scooter, and with me is Boston Moss. Greetings. Thomas Sixton. How's it going? LJ Donnell. Hiya. And Max Baskin. Hi. Today we'll be listening to Girl in Space, which premiered in 2017 and was written and produced by Sarah Rhea Werner. Sarah first got into podcasting with her show, Right Now with Sarah Werner, which is a nonfiction podcast that encourages people to pursue their passion for creative writing. One day, she decided to give audio drama a try, and thus, Girl in Space was born. This episode is called Cheese is Delicious, originally published on September 18th, 2017. Okay, let's get started. You think sometimes that you're all alone. But wherever you are, whoever you are, you're wrong. It's Girl in Space. saw you, not to worry, that I'd see you again. Part of me wants to forgive you for lying to me. I mean, you couldn't have known. But part of me, to be honest, part of me is still kind of bitter, even after all these years. Not because you left, but because you left me alone. Wow. You'd think I would know better than to go through my old diaries. Nothing there but teenage heartache and angst, and a lot of really terrible poetry. (laughs) Though, they're a lot more interesting than my current diaries. Speaking of which... According to the dash, it is day 10 mark 303, hour 0837. Whatever that means... I mean, I guess I get the meaning of time insofar as is possible for a human mind. And there's a fairly distinct linear progression to my life. I just haven't ever witnessed the apparatus by which they're measured. Days, hours, when there's no rising sun or planetary rotation, these measurements feel kind of arbitrary. I mean, outside of the info here on the dash, they don't mean anything. It's always just me, out here... On the Cavatica, alone. Despite how that sounds, please note that I am super not bitter about it. 
In fact, I really don't mind being alone. Turns out I like the quiet. It helps me think, and I get a ton of work done. Speaking of which, I think you'd be proud of me. I finally got that old stereo microscope working, and I'm going to use it today to take a better look at those weird little insects that are attempting a hostile takeover of my potato plants. Oh, and I found something while I was going through some of Mom's old stuff. It's, it's weird. I've never seen anything like it before. It's about the size of a button, and, well, <laughs> I think it actually is a button. Not like the kind you would sew onto a jacket, more like the kind you press to open a door or commit a command. But it's not attached to anything, and I don't think it ever was intended to be. So, I'm going to take it apart, and I figured, hey, might as well do so using the stereo microscope. I know, I know. Buttons and microscopes and potato-destroying insects, all before lunch... What can I say? I am a sucker for cheap thrills. Honestly, I would climb mountains or lead revolutions if there were any mountains to climb or revolutions to lead out here. But there aren't. There aren't any tombs to excavate or counterfeiting rings to bust or even any decent movies to see. Well, okay, that was me being bitter. And to be fair, there is one movie that came preloaded on the dash. It's called Jurassic Park, and I can't believe I didn't discover it until after you were gone because you would have totally loved it. It's all about the reintroduction of an extinct species that, in my opinion, was clearly dominant in the first place. I like it because it's full of heroic action and science, and because it reminds me that even the humans back on Earth have difficulty re-engineering gene expression in certain species. I used to watch it as a treat, once every dozen days or so, but the Kavatic has been having some issues lately. Well, okay, more issues. And the movie playback is kind of stilted and jerky and stalls sometimes, which, to be honest, reintroduces a dash of the unexpected into a movie I can otherwise recite by heart. Nothing like a peaceful jungle landscape that pans the same scene 20 times before suddenly erupting into Dr. Sadler screaming bloody murder. And if you were here right now, you would ignore everything I just said about the movie and hone in on the word issues. And yeah, I suppose I should log those here too for posterity or whatever. So, the good news is that the Cavatica still works. Technically. Like, it has structural integrity, for the most part. And so far, I haven't been sucked out into the icy black expanse of space to die. The bad news is that the ship can't actually move, which is mainly due to its engines being dead. But before you panic, I'm alive, and I had plenty of heat and water and oxygen in the life support reserves to last while I worked out an alternative. It was actually a really interesting project, rerouting life support through the hydroponic systems into the glasshouse. I had to shut down all but three of the pods, but they're the three most integral to my work, so that's a win. Let's just hope I don't need to use the infirmary. Like, ever. Basically, the only ship-related thing that still functions properly is Charlotte, and I'm not even sure anymore that she's tied to the ship. I mean, she should be, and logically, she has to be, because there is literally nothing else that she could be tied to. 
I certainly didn't wire her into the glasshouse system, and yet she remains operational. This might sound vaguely insane, but part of me suspects that she's saved up some sort of energy reserve for herself. Which, honestly, wouldn't surprise me. For an AI that's supposed to be dedicated to serving and enhancing human life, she is incredibly selfish. Alright. Time to get back to work. Whatever time might actually be. I'll be taking radiation measurements from Ra, checking out those insects under the stereo microscope, and taking apart that button thing I found. Ooh, maybe my cheese will be coagulated in time for lunch. So, okay, I'm curious. I have the stereo microscope all set up, and for the first time I noticed a name etched into the side of the arm. Your name. It's faint, but it's there. My question is, why is it there? I mean, I don't really see there being an imminent danger of theft aboard a ship with a crew of three and no means of escape. Or is carving one's name into one's possessions a thing that people do? Is it a habit, a compulsion, a simple act of boredom, or even defiance? I'm... I know I'm way overthinking this, it's just... It just threw me for a loop, and I can't say I'm entirely sure why. I mean, I guess that names have power. You know, we name things for a reason. To clarify and identify them, to call and claim them, to bestow and take away power. Maybe that's what really happens to us after we die. Maybe our names are our ghosts, infused with the sum total of our accomplishments and unrealized dreams. Maybe you're haunting me through this stereo microscope. Or maybe that cheese wasn't quite ready to eat after all. At least I have the distinct honor of being haunted by Dr. Arvin Singh. <laughs> Way to be king of the nerds by including a proper title in your graffiti, Dad. Speaking of the microscope, I found a couple of things that might be of interest, with a capital O and a capital I. First, the insects that are waging their tiny, cruel war against my defenseless potatoes. I can positively say that I have never seen anything like them before. I think that normally this might not sound weird, like... There's almost a million unique documented species of insect, and there's no way I could ever memorize them all. However, I have been aboard the Kavatica for more than 9,000 days, studying every living thing on the ship, in isolation, in the massive vacuum of space. So if I haven't seen a particular species of insect before, then, well, let's just say it's significant. Current hypotheses include some kind of rapid-onset mutation, or, more improbably, recent introduction. I've isolated a few of them in a terrarium for further study, along with cuttings from a variety of other plant species. I don't know whether I prefer they devour everything in sight, or simply remain hell-bent on destroying my potatoes. Okay, next up the button. This thing, it's so simple it's kind of hard to describe. 
It's smooth and flat and round, made of some kind of dense plastic or maybe glass. Uh, there's a slight fingertip size indentation on the top to indicate what you're supposed to do. And when you press it, it clicks. It's oddly satisfying. Anyway. Alright, I am now taking a look at it under the stereo microscope, and there is a tiny seam all around the side. Let's just see if... Okay, I'm going to see if I can find a scalpel or something to fit in there. Pardon me. Oh, no, 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 no. Pardon me. Charlotte, I am working. Out you go. Are you attempting to... Repair sensitive technical equipment? No. Go away. It appears you are attempting to... Repair sensitive technical equipment. Would you like my assistance with that? No. No, I would not. Thank you. I am glad you have opted into letting me help you. Repair sensitive technical equipment. Charlotte, no, I'm... I've got this. Just please go away. Remember the incident with the distress beacon. My databanks remember everything. Okay, just stay right there. Okay. Uh, I have a scalpel, which looks like it will fit nicely into the crack. Your attempts to repair sensitive technical equipment would be more successful with my onboard tools. All right, I've got it open. Split right down the middle like a walnut shell. Inside, hmm, just a bunch of wires and circuits. Oh, that's weird. Uh, there's a little burn mark right where... Oh my gosh. Charlotte, back up. Yeah, no, I need to use both of the eyepieces on this thing. That's what makes it a stereo microscope. It appears that one of the microprocessors has burned out, burned out, burned out. My onboard tools can easily... Thank you, Charlotte. I can take it from here. What? My onboard tools can easily repair Oh it. my gosh. Fine. Just fix the microprocessor already. If you insist... Thank you. Okay, it's back together now, and it's still not... Oh, oh uh, that's weird. Uh, it looks like there's a little switch right along... Um, okay. The object has begun to emit a soft and steady blue glow from within. Now let's just see what happens when I push... Oh gosh, okay, uh, that was unexpected and terrible. I ran a quick inspection of the three functional pods and the dash core, and nothing was different. Nothing had changed. Nothing was glowing or sparking or unexpectedly functional. Happily, nothing had blown up either. I'm relatively sure I'm still alive. Uh, Charlotte's as normal as she's ever been. 
I even ran through the opening scene of Jurassic Park, and it was as jerky and stilted as ever. In short, I have no idea what I might have just activated slash done. I have no idea why Mom would have stashed this thing in one of her lockers, why or how it was broken, or why I even felt compelled to fix it. If there were anyone else on board, I might feel embarrassed. But you know what? There is no one else on board, so I can be comfortably and perfectly honest about how I probably shouldn't have tried to fix that button, and how badly it could have gone if it were some sort of weapon or self-destruct device. And hey, you know, while I'm being perfectly honest, I hate zucchini, turnips are the hell spawn of root vegetables, and I am terrified of the fish in the hydroponic tanks. But I eat all of them anyway, because they're nutritious. Okay, everything is okay. And we even learned a lesson. Don't push buttons if you're not 100% sure what they are. As they say, you know, whoever they are, no harm, no foul. I am going to get back to my calibrations and conveniently forget this ever happened. Dinner tonight was one of the Ancorhynchus micus from the tanks, grilled with lemon and oregano, and quinoa that I tossed with tomatoes and spinach. I was going to have potatoes instead of the quinoa, but decided to forego them until I learned more about those insects. Strawberries and tea for dessert, and then some final radiation tests before bed. You know, while I was eating, I kept thinking about those diaries I found about how I used to feel about being alone, and how I feel about it now. I was bitter then, and angry and hopeless, and a whole lot of other things. But now? I know they say people don't really change, you know, again, whoever they are, but I think I'm kind of okay with it. I wake up, I eat, do science, eat, do more science, eat some more, and relax before I sleep. Then I rinse and repeat, just like it says on the side of my vat of Caldwell Enterprises shampoo. And between all of the eating and sciencing, I can dance and sing and tinker with broken things and invent new things and watch Jurassic Park or even just stare out into the infinite vastness of space. I think what I'm trying to say is that I don't really mind being alone as much as I think I'm supposed to. Humans are inherently social creatures, but for whatever reason, I am not. No one tells me what to do out here. No one tells me to put on shoes or sit still or wear cosmetics. My work is important and my research is challenging and fascinating. I have clean water and fresh food and access to top-notch scientific equipment. I mean, sometimes I wish I had someone to talk to, but that's what you and Charlotte are for. And the view is fantastic. So why... This is going to sound incredibly ungrateful, but, you know, hey, we're being honest here. If everything in my life is so incredibly amazing, why don't I feel happy?
Addendum, uh, day 10, Mark 303, hour 1745. This probably isn't really worth noting, but during my final radiation tests of the day, I saw a blip out in the opposite direction of Ra. It's a bright light with the pinpoint clarity of a star, but obviously it's not a star since it wasn't there yesterday. Or even a few hours ago. Also, it's moving. I would say that it's a comet or an asteroid, but at this point I don't have enough data to make that assumption. And we all know what happens when we assume. For whatever reason, Charlotte's taking this new development with all the grace of a garbage fire. She barged in on her hydraulic arm while I was checking Ra's radiation emissions earlier, and started reciting the entire Caldwell Enterprises emergency preparedness manual to me from start to finish. I took that to mean that she thinks the incoming light is a matter of some concern. I told her to be more optimistic, that it might not be coming directly toward us, that it could simply be a mirage, that she technically doesn't have a death to fear, but she just started reciting the manual all over again from the beginning. So I wedged a fallen tree branch up into the hydraulic tracks to block her from exiting the glass house. I don't know. I don't think I'm afraid of death, necessarily. At least not right now. Things live and die in cycles, and I'm not enough of a narcissist to think I'm exempt from the laws of nature. I'm weirdly... I don't know how to describe it. Interested? Excited? I mean, I'm not excited about death, or even really about whatever this approaching thing is. A comet, an asteroid, a projectile, a ship, an event, a fact, a phenomenon, an anomaly? I think I'm just intrigued by the idea that there is possibility out there. You know, that space holds things other than the stars and planets and nothingness I've seen all around me every day of my life. In all of its mystery, this thing coming toward the Kavatica signifies everything. Sounds like Charlotte found a way out. I bet she's on her way here right now to tell me that escape pods are at the escape ready. Escape pods at the ready. Thank you, Charlotte. But I'm pretty sure they're just about as dead and incapable of movement as the Kavatica. You know, it's interesting. The things that happen despite or because of our intentions. Escape pods at the... The feeble control that we have over this massive universe and the thin threads of chance that tie it all together. The Kavatica was never intended to be out here this long. And from what you've told me, the raw initiative was expected to, if not explicitly intended to, fail. Or at least it wasn't intended to be as long-term as it's become, or else they'd have given it better engines and a larger supply of fuel and a bigger crew. You know, an actual chance to return and make a difference. Not that I'm bitter. And yet, despite all of that, here I am. A girl in space, harnessed to one of the universe's most bizarre science fair projects, writing out my thin thread of chance regardless of whether anyone out there ever intended me to do so. Anomaly gaining speed. What? Anomaly... Gaining speed. Gaining speed. That's weird. 
Charlotte says the anomaly appears to be gaining speed. I, I don't... Hold on. I'm on my way to the galley, where I have the best view of it. Maybe I'll sleep there tonight just to keep an eye on it. For whatever good that'll do. Note to self. Create list of measures, countermeasures, and worst-case scenarios for eventual approach of disastrous phenomena, unfriendly ship, or malevolent godlike entity. Okay, um, so day 10 mark 304, hour 0553, uh, radiation levels normal, blah, 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 all of that good stuff. Okay, the thing moving toward us, it's not a meteor or an asteroid or an event or a malevolent godlike entity or a ship or any of those other things I said it might be. Dad, it's an entire fleet. Support for the Girl in Space podcast is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet merch, and access bonus episodes for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash girlinspace, all one word, to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash girl in space for credits and a full transcription of this and other episodes of girl in space please visit girl in space thanks for listening and i'll see you again in two weeks looking for something else to listen to as you wait for the next episode of girl in space to come out look no further than subject found by paul sating Sometimes our monsters don't remain in the past. Sometimes that which we think is just a story or a legend or even lore ends up being very, very true. And it haunts us. A multi-award winning drama, Subject Found is a deeply layered audio drama that seamlessly weaves the personal stories of its characters into entertaining tales of the monsters that haunt us. If you enjoy podcasts like lore or myths and legends and wondered what a fictional version of those shows would be, well, you can find it in Subject Found. It's available wherever you find podcasts or by going to paulsading.com under the podcast tab. Definitely check it out. Thanks again for listening. All right, so what did you guys think? Um, She has the best subtly Minnesotan voice ever. I had some, I don't know, concerns about listening to primarily one voice monologuing for the entire thing. It and was it, an interesting... It was kind of monologue It was just... It was just... It was difficult to follow the... Maintain the interest in it because it was just one person talking pretty much in a monotone the entire time. So... Oh. I actually... So I, I like 
totally disagree with that in the sense that I think that for someone, <laughs> for someone who is alone in space monologuing, I thought she was very expressive. It was kind of dry. She obviously hadn't been around people in a while, but she still had like this sarcastic affection for Charlotte. And, and she kind of had this almost lonesome affection for her mom and dad, even though she was also fine. Like, I think that her ability to convey being both alone and um, um, unused to being around people, but still very interesting was very good. I, I admire the actress for that. Yeah, she said a lot of the things I wanted to say, but I liked the format of her talking to someone who was no longer there. It's a very normal thing for people who are, have been alone for a while to do, and it's it felt very natural. And I agree with both of you. That does sound very natural, and for what it was, she was very expressive. I just don't really care for what it was. Uh, I have to agree with Max on this one. If If I'm going to sit and listen to it, I want more variation, either more voices or more ups and downs in the voice. So I don't feel like I'm look, listening to someone who's just reading from a book. It just seems it's too flat to keep the listener's interest. I'm not saying it isn't realistic. I'm just saying it needs to appeal to the ear more. Uh, there are other productions that have just done one voice, most notably Welcome to Night Vale. It's, it may not be for everybody, though. For me, it was kind of like it was a hybrid of an audiobook and an audio drama. And because it was kind of hitting both of those for me, it didn't really knock it out of the park on either. Because an audiobook, I'm expecting to hear just one voice, but I'm also expecting to hear something that's more narratively complex. Whereas with this, it had the basic layout of an audio drama. It was a character, it was speaking, but it failed on the multiple points of view that I like hearing more in a uh, more of a full cast production. Um, something that I, I liked about it and, and that I found it. I, I Let me try again. Normally you need multiple people to create a certain amount of um, tension because they're, they're bantering off each other. But I feel like in a lot of horror movies, um, especially, especially ones like um, El Orfano or, um, the ring, you have one character who's kind of going through a world and kind of interacting with it and figuring things out. And I had a lot of questions about the bugs and the button. I wanted to know more about Charlotte. And there was a sense of disquiet, even though she was okay. And I thought that, you know, in those movies, you always have to kind of deal with the fact that there's only one person. It's a very lonely place, but she's also dealing with a very lonely place. You mentioned earlier about the Charlotte's Web reference. Yes. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So I noticed, I, I it was funny because she was talking about the Cavatica and then um, she was talking to Charlotte and I was like, Charlotte. And in my brain, I always associate Charlotte with Charlotte's Web. And in my brain, I heard Charlotte A. Cavatica, which is what the spider says when she first meets Wilbur. And I was like, I wonder if that is foreshadowing or if it was just like a nod to somebody who likes that book. I don't know. But good job on you, lady. Could be that she named the AI Charlotte because of the name of the ship. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, either way, it's pretty yeah. cool. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a neat reference. He's the one book she has. Out oh, of, God, it could be. Out of curiosity, how far into the series is this episode? This is the first episode. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense based on the pacing. I just wasn't sure if maybe there were other elements that we might have it, had to integrate in there from earlier, but... 
it did a lot of first episode things like the setup and it didn't do it in it didn't do it in like a complete expository dump way it did it in sort of like a i felt like that was actually just something she'd be recording and that i have to 100 percent agree on the pacing the especially the way that they revealed information i thought that was spot on yeah so one of the things that i do need to comment so of the things you guys have said that you're not the biggest fan of regarding this nobody mentioned the fact that at any point it's so wait, let me rephrase this at every point throughout this episode it felt like you were actually listening to the recording of somebody from space yes it did it did like it so it never broke the fourth wall as far as like any of the uh kind of monologuing problems you're gonna run into with so one uh one, uh, I guess, issue I would have with, like, the dialogue as far as, like, fourth wall break was this is a person who spent most of her life alone on a ship and with not a lot of people to, like, learn a lot of colloquialisms from. So she says, like, like, whoever they are, like, who did she learn that expression from? Like, they always say. Her parents, maybe? And also, we don't know how old she is. We know that she's been on the ship for, like, 24 and a half years based on the 9,000 days comment. I kind of get the impression she was born on the ship. That's it's just possible. That's just my interpretation. But we know that she at least had some people around her at some point yeah. in the form of her parents. And I think she mentioned a sibling. She did, did she? mention a crew of three. I yeah. don't know if she was part of the crew or came I, along later, but. Yeah, I assume the crew of three was her and her parents. But again, a complete assumption. I know very little. Did they ever explain what happened to her parents? No, I think that's probably coming up. Yeah. I mean, they can't give away all the mystery. <gasps> Maybe her parents became the ships. This seems. <sighs> Unlikely. I don't know. With that fleet arriving, that might actually end up alleviating my concern about just one character's point of view, because that might bring in more characters. What if the whole fleet is her? That would be really weird. Dumb. Just like mirror images of the same ship, like so they get to be wry and sarcastic forever. No, and they keep jumping from reality to reality to pick up more and more versions of the ship. Hoping that this last leaf will be the one home. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel I like I've Voyager. seen that before. There was so much character development. <laughs> I'm miming boobs, DSI. Everybody knows oh, what they, we're talking about. I'm not DSI. Seven of nine. Everybody sorry, knows that. That looked like, a, like you were like caressing a baby. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm no, petting a puppy. I thought she was caressing breasts. Oh, I don't know how babies work. We're doing like the boob scoop. The boob scoop. Yeah. Is that a thing? Don't do this. I just made up the term. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> now the boob scoop's more like... And that's that like, how you feed that your baby. more like a, a limp flop. I just want to say that people can't actually see what you're doing. Uh, and yet, I think that's why I'm based on what it. we're saying, it's actually going to end up coming through pretty clearly. Yeah. I guess. Like, she kind of, like, flipped out from her chest like she was firing nipple guns. At least she looked no, like that's she more like this. this. No, that's true. Speaking of that, I loved when she was talking to Charlotte and pushing her away from the eyepiece. Sometimes audio dramas will do something like that where they are trying to describe. And I fell into that trap when I was writing for Anansi where like I wanted to describe something that was happening without having the narrator do it again. So I was trying to like put it into dialogue and it gets really blocky. No, don't push me to the left as you move to the right. That's rude. I'm trying to figure out how that relates to nipple guns. (laughs) Does it? Not? I think she was trying to get us back on track. (laughs) (laughs) And yet she's the one who brought them up. I I never said I never said nipple guns, <laughs> ever. Not I mean, like recently probably. <laughs> you but just not said like, it. Ni- well, yes, and it wasn't my first time. But you know what? How do we? How can we believe anything you said at this point? 
Meanwhile, back on the ship. I don't believe you've ever read Charlotte's Web. I've seen the movie. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Sorry, everyone. All right, so let's let's go through and get some individual opinions. Boston, what did you think? I like the presentation on what they're talking about, but what we were talking about before, I do think it needs more variety, either more speakers or variety in the person speaking. I know if I talk to my dog, I use more than one tone. If I talk to an AI or a plant or or the bugs in my potato, I would probably more use more range than I heard in this. And so I want her to expand some on how she's doing this. If they add voices, that might not be such, I mean, more characters, that might not be such an issue. But I want more variety to keep my ears and my brain interested. Tommy. I thought the production value was very, very well done. I thought she had a lot of range as far as her voice goes. And the uh, the episode was very reminiscent of like, castaway or certain episodes of doctor who where it's one character kind of on their own and it's got this like strange comforting melancholy feel so Uh, one comment i believe sarah is actually the main character in this as well the the person who made the show cool yeah but i'll have to uh, double check afterwards she's got a um she's got a great voice for this kind of thing four out of five expansive voids (laughs) along those lines for something like a castaway or something Listen to uh, uh, literally cast away with Tom Hanks when he talks to that volleyball. There's a lot, lot more tone and more variance. That's that's what I'm looking for. Well, yeah, but this was her just doing her normal thing. And it did have a lot of like expression in the voice. She just wasn't being bombastic about it. Uh, she was also we have no idea how long she's been alone or how much um as she said, we're social creatures and we get a lot of our give and take, our cues, our our bombastic reactions from reacting. And since she's always by herself and we don't know how long she's been by herself, she's probably lost a lot of that just because all she does is talk into a microphone or to a bot that does this all day long. Da, da, da. So who knows? God, Laura's a robot. Shut up. Was that your piece, Laura, as well? Um, I think I waxed poetic for a very long time at the beginning of this. So yeah, that's pretty much my opinion. I thought it was uh, very well done. I thought that um, she presented someone who is both very interested, but also not very socialized very well. And I'm excited to find out what happens with the fleet next episode. Thanks. I, I have mixed feelings. There were some things that I liked a lot. There were some things that I didn't really care for and some things that I thought just needed a little tweaking. Like, I believe Tommy was, either Tommy or Boston had pointed out that the music in the beginning just kept going and going. And I think it needed to be about 30 seconds shorter. But the actual quality of the music throughout was really good. It felt very well tied to the theme. And like Tommy was saying, there, there was a sense of real deep melancholy, which being alone for goodness knows how many years would kind of drive, even if you like being alone. But at the same time, there were elements that make it less than captivating for me. Again, with that fleet coming in at the end of an episode, it's a good cliffhanger because it leads to a lot of possible directions that the show could take, especially this being the first episode. So I think that in and of itself and the quality of the technical aspects would be enough to tie me in to at least give it a second listen and see how it develops. So I think she did that very well. 
Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's pretty much, you guys have already said everything I was going to say on this. Um, uh, the two voices that were in this made it a little bit difficult to, for me to latch onto it too much because of the lack of variance. Like it felt like one of the episodes in the middle of DS nine where somebody gets lost in space and then they get brought back into the fold and it's, you know, it's that one off adventure they had. I don't know how well that's going to work for a whole series. But that being said, as the format that it's in, it's fantastic. That was Cheese is Delicious from the show Girl in Space. To find out more, go to www.girlinspacepodcast.com. This was Audio Drama Showcase. More episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Thank you for listening. High five. We made it. That was easy. Coming on a street light. Jumping on my banjo. Calling me, calling me. Who sings that? Uh, that would be Doug. Maybe you should keep it that way.